0: Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food, day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would I go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With shouts, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Have you ever been caught in a storm? I mean, like, a storm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those dark, menacing, billowing clouds blanketing the sky, hundreds, thousands of droplets of water assaulting you in every which direction, gusts of wind threatening to snap full-grown trees like they were toothpicks. I have this, this vivid memory of getting trapped in a storm of this caliber once, in one of the worst places to find yourself trapped in a storm. I wasn't in my backyard, on my porch, I was deep in the backcountry, I was backpacking in uh, the White Mountains of New Hampshire. This is around the summer of 2017. To make a bad situation worse, when this storm hit, I was not below treeline, I was above treeline. Awful place to be. Shelter and safety were far, far out of sight. The only thing that stood between that storm And the mountain I was on was me. That was it. I felt so afraid, so disoriented, so helpless in those moments that at the time it was all that I could, all I had to cry out to God, help me. And to say to myself, John, get off this mountain now. Move. Now in the moment I couldn't have imagined a more frightening and disorienting experience. What I couldn't see at the time was that God was preparing me for a storm of a different kind. The storm I was in on top of that mountain threatened to take my life, my physical body. The storm that I was about to endure would threaten to take my soul. You see, at the time of this backcountry expedition. Kate and I were pregnant with our second child. Man, we were, we were overjoyed. Parents, you know the feeling, right? Joy. We were so eager to see our little family grow. We had prayed for this. We had prayed to God for this. And it seemed that God was giving our heart's desire. We were Absolutely thrilled. In the weeks that would follow, our hopes and dreams, our joy and our celebration would be overshadowed by darkness, pain, grief and sorrow, an endless amount of tears and a whole lot of unanswered questions. In an instant, the good gift of life that we'd been given, was taken from us. Life exchanged for death. The womb where our baby once grew is now empty. Once a sanctuary for the living now a tomb for the lifeless. We had miscarried. The horror of what had happened left us numb. Left us numb. Our souls were crushed by the crashing waves of grief. Sorrow became an unwelcomed companion on our pilgrimage of faith. The pain that we felt, the grief we experienced in those days, weeks, months that would follow would often overwhelm us at times. It felt unbearable, even debilitating. Some days felt like we were just drowning in grief, drowning in a sea of our own tears. Other days felt like we were just roaming the earth like lifeless zombies. We needed help. We needed hope. We were miserable. We needed songs to sing in our misery, Psalms that gave voice to our pain. Our souls were on life support. The Psalms, particularly Psalms like the one that we're going to look at this morning, quickly became our source of life. Psalm 42 is in our Bibles to help orient us when our lives become disoriented by the raging storms of pain and sorrow, of loss and disappointment, anxiety, depression, whatever the darkness that we experience may be. This Psalm and so many others like it is the oxygen that we need to breathe when our souls become weary, burdened, crushed. Dark clouds are gonna come The question that we need to ask this morning is what will we do when they come? What are we going to do when when you walk through dark seasons of life, when the storms rage all around you? What will you do when your soul becomes troubled? Psalm 42 gives us some really practical help when our souls are troubled. We're going to spend some time briefly unpacking Five of these things. And before we do that, I'd like to help us get a sense of what Psalm 42 is. Psalm 42 is, is a song or a psalm of lament. A staggering one-third of, of this songbook, the psalms, is made up of these minor key songs. Yet, it, if, I think if we were honest, we'd say we really don't know a whole lot about what these psalms are. So what is lament? I really like the way one pastor puts it. He says, lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. It's the path from heartbreak to hope. Think of it as the transition between pain and promise. It's the song that God graciously gives us to sing in that space between brokenness and the experience of his mercy. These psalms of lament are one of the ways that God helps us to both exist in our pain, but also move through our pain. Psalm 42 is a personal prayer in pain, really deep pain, that leads to trust, a very real trust in God. The psalmist here is lamenting a very real pain, the pain of feeling alone, abandoned, forgotten. His grief is palpable. Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. He feels depressed. Verses 5, 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? My soul is cast down within me. Verse 6. He feels anxious. O my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Verse 7. He feels like his soul is... Has been shattered into a million pieces, deep caustic, deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers, all your waves have gone over me. I wonder, can you relate? Can you relate to the psalmist? What do we do when dark clouds come? What do we do when the storm is raging around us? What do we do when our souls are troubled? Psalm 42 encourages us to do at least five things. So let's look at those things together. First, we're encouraged to complain to God and to do it boldly. As a kid, how many times did your parents say these two words to you? Stop complaining. Stop complaining. Parents, how many of us have pleaded the same with our kids? Please, Please, stop complaining. (laughs) We're annoyed at complaint, perpetual complaining. We're all guilty of it, right? I complain, you complain, we complain. We really don't hold complaint to high regard, do we? Maybe this is why we struggle to bring our complaints to God. Complaint, holy complaint is both a grace and a help to us when our souls are troubled. godly complaint isn't trite or petty, neither is it a pestering, nagging, unpleasant sound to the ears of your heavenly Father. Your Father delights in you, and he delights to hear your honest, raw, unfiltered complaints. Listen Listen to the psalmist. Dial in with the psalmist. Listen to his raw, unfiltered complaint. To God in verses 9 and 10. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He's not like off in the corner whispering this somewhere. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taught me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Wow. Can you really complain to God like this? Absolutely. Does God really want to hear your complaints? My complaints? Yes. When the torrent of pain and the flood of disappointment rush over you, complain, complain to God. Shamelessly bring your complaints to your loving Father, every last one of them. Why? Because God delights, He delights to hear the things that most trouble you. He does. He delights to know you, every bit of you. When we miscarried, Kate and I were not praying wordy, theologically profound prayers. It wasn't happening. We were praying weak, taint, tear-stained, stripped-down, two three-word prayers. God, why? Why us? How could you? This is so hard. Help us unimpressive right unimpressive holy complaining God delights in these simple prayers he delights in yours too so that's the first thing we need to see here second thing that we need to see our psalmist do when 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 he when his soul is troubled what does he do he sings earlier in verse 3 he says my tears have been my food day and night tears for breakfast tears for lunch tears for dinner Tears for snack before bed. Sounds really good, right? Man, my tears have been my food, my sustenance, all day, every day. But then look at what he says in verse 8. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, what? His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. When his soul was aching in pain, he sang. Trinity, it is, it is a grace to sing and to be sung to when our souls are weary, burdened, and crushed. It's a grace to sing our brokenness, to sing our sorrow, to sing our pain and our grief, to sing our, our disappointment, to sing our confusion and our anger. The Bible is filled with songs in the minor key like this because... There are seasons of life where all we do is live, move, and breathe in the minor key. Our God is a singing God. He's made us for song. I wonder if we realize the treasure that we have in song when we're plunged deep into darkness. I also wonder if we realize just how much we need each other's voices in dark days. In the days and weeks that followed our miscarriage, Kate and I found song to be good medicine for our torn, aching souls. Ancient words like the ones behind me that that echoed the ancient living words of God were were so refreshing. They were so refreshing, life-giving, faith-stirring for us in our season of pain. Read these Or follow along as I read these. Dear refuge of my weary soul, when sorrow rise, when sorrows rise on thee, when waves of trouble roll, my fainting hope relies. To thee I tell each rising grief, for thou alone can heal. Thy word can bring a sweet relief for every pain, every pain I feel. Hast thou not bid me seek thy face? And shall I seek in vain? And can the ear of sovereign grace be deaf when I complain? No. Still the ear of sovereign grace attends the mourner's prayer. Oh, may I ever find access to breathe my sorrows there. When your soul is troubled, Trinity sing. When you can't find the words to say, sing. Sing the psalms. Sing songs of sorrow and hope, of pain and joy. Sing songs of God's faithfulness and his care and his love and his mercy. When we gather on Sundays, can I just encourage you? Sing out like we were doing today. Sing out. It might just be that what the person next to you needs most is to hear you sing rich gospel-filled words of hope. So sing. When your soul is troubled, sing to your God. When your hopes and dreams are crushed, lift up your eyes and sing. When your life is met with one crushing disappointment after another, look up and sing. When you're drowning in pain, grief, and sorrow, sing. Like David, I think you'll find it to be a real source of life in the darkest seasons. Next, when our psalmist's soul is troubled, he talks to himself. Nobody here talks to themselves, right? Am I the only one? Never, yeah. Am I the only one that talks to myself? Man, we talk to ourselves all the time, don't we? Paul Tripp, I'm going to put a quote up on the screen. It is kind of humorous, and um, it is also really profound. He says this, I find myself saying it all the time. When people hear it, they laugh, but actually, I'm being quite serious when I say it. Here it is. No one is more influential in your life than you are, because no one talks to you more than you do. You are in an unending conversation with yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time, interpreting, organizing, and analyzing what's going on inside you and around you. Isn't that true? No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. If this is true, what will you say to yourself when your soul is troubled? Too often, my inner dialogue doesn't sound anything like the psalmists. It doesn't sound anything like it. Myself talks to me more than I talk to myself. So I despair. I wallow in self-pity. I blame other people. I blame other circumstances. Maybe you can relate. If you're anything like me, Psalm 42 is an invitation It's an invitation to have a radically different kind of conversation with yourself, one that is filled with life and hope. Self, why are you down? Why so disturbed within me? Hope in God. Hope in the God of your life. When our hopes and dreams, our joy and our celebration are disrupted, by disappointment, by pain, by loss, grief, sorrow, what we need to hear most are words of life and hope. Our greatest treasure, the very ground for our hope, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins, victorious over death, reigning as king, that is our greatest hope. When your soul is weary, When your soul is crushed, when dark clouds surround you, do you know what you need most? You need to hear words of life, words of hope. You need to hear the gospel. You need to hear it from others, and you definitely need to hear it from yourself. So make a passage like Romans 8 31 through 35. It's going to be up on the screen. Let me encourage you to make make a passage like this your own. Listen up. Listen to me, self. If God is for you, who can be against you? God spared no expense when it came to you. He gave up his own son for you. So how will he not also with him graciously give you all things? Who shall bring a charge against you? You're one of God's chosen. God is the one who justifies. So who can condemn you? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for you. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? See, we can't hear words like this enough. When darkness is all you see, you need the light of the gospel to pierce your darkness. You need to savor words of hope when your soul feels crushed. Your life depends on it. When your soul is troubled, speak life-giving, hope-saturated, gospel-filled words to yourself. Fourth, and, and maybe the most important thing, our psalmist does when his soul is troubled is that he longs for what will satisfy him most. He longs for what will satisfy him most. He thirsts for God, the living God. Listen to how he begins this prayer in pain. Verse 1 As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. My soul is stirred. Every time I read these words, my soul pants for you, oh God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. Notice he doesn't say, my soul longs for relief. Relief from my pain, relief from my grief, relief from my loneliness, relief from my circumstances. He says, my soul longs for you, God. I think there's a subtle and really destructive pitfall we need to be aware of when when our souls become troubled. I found this to be true for myself. It goes something like this. I'll be satisfied if. I'll be satisfied if when? God, I'll be satisfied when you take my chronic pain away. God, I'll be satisfied when I don't have to deal with this disappointment anymore. If only our financial situation were different, then I'd be satisfied. If only I didn't struggle with this sin, then I'd be satisfied why do I have to experience loss? I just want things to go back the way that they were. Then I'd be satisfied. Here's here's what it sounded like for me several months after we experienced our loss. God, if only you would give us new life, just another baby, then I'd be satisfied. Friends, nothing can satisfy our souls like God himself. Our greatest satisfaction now and forever is God himself. We need to believe this. We need to believe this. For our psalmist, tasting God was sweeter than tasting relief from his pain, relief from his sorrow. What he wants more than anything else in the world is to be with God. Do you want this? Do you want to be with God? Our psalmist longs for God so so much so that that he asks this question in verse two. He says, when shall I come and appear before God? Maybe a better translation of this is, when will I come and see the face of God? Nothing in the world matters more than seeing God's face. Nothing. It's life itself. You need to see the face of God of God I need to see the face of God your kids need to see the face of God your colleagues your co-workers they need to see the face of God nothing in the world matters more than this seeing the face of God now here's the crazy thing because of what the gospel means that that the Son of God came to us took on flesh walked among us died our death defeated death in his death was raised and now reigns in victory, because of this gospel, when we look into the face of Jesus, we're looking directly into the face of God. Isn't that incredible? In the face of Jesus, we see the face of God. Jesus himself tells us this much in John 14, verse 9. Whoever has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the Father. Our greatest need is to be satisfied in God, to see his Face, to behold him and his glory. Nothing else matters more in our rejoicing. Nothing matters more in our grieving, in our sorrow. God has given us a profound treasure in Jesus. We need to see and savor him. Nothing will satisfy your thirsty, parched soul more than drinking deeply from the one who is living water. Again, when when we were walking through the dark valley of miscarriage, most days it was all we had in us to get out of bed, to fight through the tears and seek the face of God. Our weary souls were parched. We needed to see a glimpse of God, to experience his love and his care for us, We sought his face, not perfectly, but we did it. Let me tell you, nothing brought more life, nothing brought more life to our souls than this. Nothing satisfied us in those dark days more than this. When your soul is troubled, thirst for God, who is your satisfaction. Drink deeply of Jesus, friends. Nothing in the world matters more than this. Absolutely nothing in the world matters more than this. It is life itself. Our last point this morning. From the beginning of our time together, we've been asking, we've been after this, this question, what, what do we do when dark clouds come? For our fifth and final point this morning, we need to ask one more question. What do we do when those dark clouds stay? What do we do when those dark clouds stay? What do we do when when there doesn't seem to be an end in sight? Listen in on the the final words of Psalm 42. We've already heard them once. Let's hear them again. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Listen in. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, Psalm 42, it it doesn't end on a happy note. It doesn't end in the major key. It's still in the minor key. Why are you down? Why so disturbed, soul? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation and my God. His hope is that he will one day praise God as he once did, but that day isn't now. So he keeps hoping, he's fighting for hope. When those dark clouds stay, friends, fight to hope in God. Keep trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. When you're blindsided by a devastating diagnosis, fight to hope in God. When the pain is overwhelming, when pain and grief and sorrow are crushing you, fight to hope in God. When there doesn't seem to be an end at all to your suffering, to your disappointment, fight to hope in God. Keep Trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. And guess what? He is faithful. He's so faithful to keep you trusting. Amen? When your soul is troubled, complain to God. Complain boldly. He delights to hear your holy complaints and your simple prayers. Sing. Sing ancient words that echo the ancient living words of God. This is is so life-giving and faith-stirring for us. Talk to yourself. Speak life-giving, hope-saturated gospel words to yourself. Long for what will satisfy you most. Thirst for God. And then keep trusting in the one who keeps you trusting. Let's pray. Father, when when it seems as if we've just been plunged into darkness, when all around us, the storms are raging, it's disorienting. We feel as if we are knocked to the ground. Our souls become weary and burdened, but you have promised us that you will never leave us or forsake us. You have promised us hope and life. And so we cling now to that promise. We cling to you, O God. We cling to the promise of hope. And we look to that day when we will be uh, in your sight, when we will walk by sight and not by faith. Father, we need you. We desperately need you. Thank you for meeting us in our pain and for walking with us in dark seasons. Father, of all things, we're most grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and took on flesh and came in the form of a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. For our sake, thank you for Christ who is our friend and our companion. Help us to trust in the one who keeps us trusting. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.